welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm welcoming back Bob Mosier, who's inspired me and my practice for years, pioneering the five moments of need approach and workflow learning alongside Conrad Govritson. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us. And thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Bob, welcome back to the Learning and Development Podcast. It is great to be back, my friend. I appreciate the invitation. Looking forward to the dialogue. Great. Me too, Bob. Um, But first of all, I think it's worth acknowledging that a recent podcast guest, Sebastian Tindall of Vitality Health, cited our previous conversation as a significant pivot point for him. And since then, he's gone on to modernize his own practice, the L&D function at Vitality. And that's meant that he's achieved um, 200 completed projects per year, which is more than 10 times increase on what they were achieving before. And with their measures of success being the KPIs of the organization, the teams and individuals, not vanity learning metrics or nice to have unintended consequences. Now, this isn't an isolated case either, but how do you feel when you hear about, as a direct consequence of your work, L&D teams making vast demonstrable advancements and improvements to their practice and outcomes? Well, it, obviously, it's, it's rewarding and a little, little humbling, to be honest. But uh, mm. I, I just think it, it's just it's so exciting, David, for me to, to see, you know, there's a phrase, you know, rising water raises all boats, right? Mm, yeah, it's just it was so I, I listened to the podcast. I, I just was so impressed with Sebastian's work and, and, and what he's done. And, and to your point, it's nice to see, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in the, a little bit in the mm. podcast here, is that it's nice to see uh, us getting this finally, right? Yeah. And we talked about this in the last podcast. This is not in many ways rocket science, but it is, mm. it is clearly a pivot from the way we have traditionally done things. And so it's it's just wonderful to see. And, and, and what I loved about what you just you know said is how long have we not wanted to utter those words as an L&D professional, right? Mm. You know, faster, better, quicker delivery, direct impact on KPIs and, and measurable business results, ROI that we've thrown around forever and, and, and chased, um, I think, as best we could in, in the old other way of doing things. I just think it's so rewarding to see this uh, starting to catch on. Yeah, wonderful. And I'd throw into the mix there less risky as well. So it is faster, better, cheaper and less risky because you're 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 basing your decisions on what to do on data and evidence. I mean, it's like it's always, I mean, you know, it's a right. no brainer. I mean, how hard is this to get? Right. I mean, and, it's, it's, uh, and, and again, it's 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 all about the pivot we'll talk about. Right. And, and it's so mm. exciting to see organizations like him. And I hear these stories over and over and over again of mm. folks that are, you know, it, I, I had an old um a uh, mentor of mine that it one time said, you know, with training, it's it's quicker, faster, better, quicker, faster, cheaper. No way. Quicker, better, cheaper. Yeah. Pick any two. Yeah. Um, right. And 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 I don't find that to be the case. No. With this. It it is it is better. As you as you heard with the numbers that Sebastian shared, it can be done quicker because it's directed right at performance and not things that we're superfluously adding. Mm-hmm. Right. And and you get a better you know, result in from the business and from doing it. Yeah. Um, now, we're fortunate, Bob, uh, to be living and working in countries that are in different forms of recovery from uh, from COVID-19 and life restrictions. Um, so where do you think we're at now in terms of, of L&D right now? 
Well, I think like the world is, I think we're coming out of, you know, this, I, I though it's cliche, the whole new normal thing, I think is, mm. you know, we're, 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 I think we're taking a little bit of a breath. Um, we're, I think I've heard a lot of talks around, you know, we're finally starting to look back at what has been done. Uh, what we tried, obviously virtual was a significant pivot for, for many folks. I want, we'll talk a little bit about that. I think on this podcast too, mm. for, for what we've gotten out of that. So I think it's still in a, it's, it's in a, okay, look, how does, the next version of this look right now. What are we, you know, what are we going, what are we going to emerge as when we come out of this? What do we keep? A lot of questions around what do we keep? What do we go back to? You know, that kind of thing. And I think it's a, it's a time of, of reflection and examination. Um, and, and I hope we do it collectively so we can do, um, base it on some good examples and, and, and good work that's being done. And again, and we talked about this I, and not go back. Let's yeah. not go back. Um, this was such a remarkable opportunity to emerge differently. Um, and I think, I, I hope we seize the day and do that as a result. Yeah, with the, with the, the whole going back, there is, there is a risk and uh, there are murmurings that um, there's going to be a clamour for face-to-face because people haven't done face-to-face for quite some time. And that just seems like justification for an approach regardless of really understanding what the uh, what the problems are to be solved so so there is a risk there uh, and that's going back to what i'd mentioned before in the uh, you know with the unintended consequences don't get me wrong it's great getting people together but is it the answer to that problem and do you really understand the problem are you going blind are you pulling out the the the, the old map to see whether the territory is uh, is still the same I think we have to be careful of misinterpreting people's desire to see each other yeah. with their desire to be in a classroom to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and so we, I think it, to your point, we, we, we've got to get back to, and I think what the, I think what the pandemic did for a lot of LD organizations is it forced us to look at the problem first. Mm. Um, people didn't come to us as much with, I want five classes. They came with, you know, my managers can't manage virtually. You know what? How, how do I help my manage my managers manage virtually? That that's a performance mm-hmm. request, not a can we redo the leadership training course, or can I have five days on you know or three learnings on the new CRM we just purchased, right? Mm-hmm. It flipped to my sales reps are now selling virtually all the time. They're they're face to face and you know selling with a napkin lunch and a, and a round of golf, you know isn't happening. How do we help these people sell virtually? That's, that's, I think that's the kind of request we've been waiting for to come through our door for a long time, not lead with a deliverable, but lead with the performance. Yeah. We have to be careful of the fact that um, uh, let's run at that, not just get people back in a classroom because they are all saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of being out in my island in my office. You know, I want to get back together. Um, so let's, let's train that way. You know, let's yeah. put people back in classrooms. I think we have to be uh, careful of misinterpreting. Let's let's stick with the focus on performance. Mm. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, but regardless of whether there's been a mass migration from, say, outdated approaches that relate little to performance outcomes towards those that are designed to affect the work, the opportunities still remain, don't they? Which is a long way of saying it's not too late to 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 pivot to to adapt to practice even if we are coming out of uh, of, uh, of restrictions oh my goodness it, 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 i've said this in a bunch of times the two words that i've heard david over and over again are opportunity and acceleration this mm. was a time this was an opportunist time and i don't mean to paint the COVID as wonderful by any means it was ter- it was a horrific um, humanitarian global problem 
at the same time for L and D, I almost said, but it's not, there's no, but there at the same time for L and D, it, it opened up an opportunity to us to serve our organizations in a very immediate and performance-based way. Like we've never been uh, given before. And that door has not closed. Let's, yeah. let's, let's stay on that. Now, the other thing is acceleration. This, because we have a, a, a an a open-minded, and in some cases, I once heard someone say, you know, desperate learner or buyer, right? Their, their desire to be open-minded to new ways and accelerate technologies. I and mean, we saw, you know, virtual spun up in weeks, whereas some L&D professionals have been trying for years to get a virtual platform in their organization. Let's seize the day on, on, the, on the opportunity to serve the business better and their desire to let us accelerate methodology and technology and learning in a way that I've never seen before. So let's, yeah. and, and, and let's not accelerate back to the way we did things. Let's accelerate forward and t- take advantage of these opportunities to emerge differently. Mm, yeah, the, the most succinct I'd, I'd heard that described was Rob Sayers um, uh, from Vive on this podcast saying that uh, that his organization, his L&D function advanced um, 10 years and 10 weeks. I mean, that was I mean, that that really is quite something to, to get the license. But it's conversations, isn't it? The conversations have stopped being, can we get people together for X to right, we need to, we need help with, with X, Y, Z. Uh, can you, can you come and give us a hand? Well, I think we have to be careful of our answer being sure. I have a class for that. Yeah. Or yes, I'll, I'll make an e-learning for that. That, we're, that, that again is, is, is predisposing the deliverable. And mm. I think in many ways, ignoring the opportunity and the request in the first place, right? We mm. have to get better. I've heard the word performance consultant brought up a lot lately that, that a role is re-emerging again. Right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, that, that's the idea of ahead of the deliverable. Let's dig deeper into the request and understand what is the best way to serve that performance need in the workflow as best we can and see what training, if any, is needed. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned there about uh, about not not too quickly um, thinking that the, the answer is going to be a, uh, a course. Uh, because there's a risk that that we could continue to misinterpret the needs of the people that we're seeking to influence. Um, how do we in L&D commonly misinterpret needs uh, and how can we overcome this? Well, I, I think we've, we've oh, somewhere along the line, David, we, we, we flip the word need, we, we interpret the word need to be a deliverable. Mm. Um, they need a course. They need our services. You know, they need our deliverables. They need the LMS. They need the, and, and the kind of needs you're talking about here are very different. You know, we, we've used needs analysis in our industry for years, um, but it, it's always been done at, at the, at, after already deciding on a three-day something yeah. or an e-learning this. And so I'll, uh, so I'll couch in the context of that deliverable, the needs that I have to teach. That we're, that's way ahead of the conversation. That, that mm. we should be having that. So, so if my organization can't manage virtually, I have to understand the needs of that manager that need to be met in their performance to manage better virtually, not the need for a course to do that, that, that we've always jumped way ahead of that conversation. And so we have to get better at backing up, you know, in, in the analysis that we use in my organization is we, we do days of analysis before we even mention the word lesson course, you know, whatever, because we just don't know yet until we better understand the performance needs of those that are coming in our office, not the deliverable training needs 
mm. that we already jump to typically before we even get into the analysis. Yeah, when I was uh, um, taught how to run training needs analysis back in the day, because it was determined that it was going to be a training course or right. e-learning, it was going to be expensive, it was going to be time consuming um, in order to develop the, um, uh, the, the content and the experience. Uh, and then it was going to be time consuming to get people scheduled and then to all attend. So really, it was a real resource allocation exercise, knowing that with the expense and the time, it wasn't going to be possible to do everything. So it was based upon the, uh, the, the urgency and the value that it would be determined which handful of, uh, of, of, of training would actually be developed but but what we're talking about here is that if we're zeroing in on the performance mm -hmm. uh, to that that needs our attention that might need our help then these things need not take a look as long and need not be as expensive uh, in order to address am i right I, th well, I think that's sebastian's 10x thing right yeah i'm sure when people heard his numbers they're like wait wait how did you do 10x more than you did the last time well yeah. it's because he's not he's not assuming that that everything is a you know, is, is an elephant, right? I mean, mm, and yeah. so he, he so he, it, it, when you run at the, at the performance need, you take a lot of that out. You only design for the critical things that need to be performed and done. You move it into the workflow, which, which allows you to cut down on all the classroom time and the, and the heavy lifting around e-learning and all the, all the other content that gets thrown in there. And you and you make a much better deliverable, a lot faster, um, that is more appropriate for the performance you're trying to change. Well, let's get into the nuts and bolts of that, Bob. Yeah. Um, uh, and and considering what what now looks like, you use a phrase um, redefining the blend. Now, I think I know what this means, but just to be sure, could you unpack this for us about you know what 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 this how this might be designed and experienced? Sure. Well, it, it, for us, blended has always been in the context of training. Yeah. You know, blended learning, I would argue, has not been. It's been blended training. You know, yeah. we we take a five day course. We um, you know, we chop it down to two days. We throw e-learning on either side of it, um, and that's blended learning, right? You know, no, that's that's moving the chairs around on the deck of the Titanic in in mm. in, in some ways, right? It's still it's it's a blended training deliverable. Blended learning to me is let's blend things out into the workflow, mm. right? Let's 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 blend it with where they're and and give them means to to initiate, adapt solve, you know, in, 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 in trial and error experiment in the workflow with a, with guided support, you know, performance support, EPSS, we call it in our domain, right? Mm -hmm. So that they can, and, and then and then the degree to which we have to do interventions based on criticality of, of the tasks or so on, um, then we blend with that uh, a degree of training that's necessary. Mm -hmm. but, but, but David, that's a very different way. We always, we always do the training blending first and then if, if we have time or if we do it at all, we go out, we, we just, we extend into the workflow, but we, but it, we typically didn't. I'm talking about designing for the workflow first, mm. understanding tasks, concepts, criticality, building that support environment that lets them uh, learn while doing. And then I will blend with that the minimal amount of training or, or, or deliverable outside of that work that I have to um, so that they can perform better. Yeah. So the so the the old way um, is about uh, protecting the uh, the investment of the training um, rather than affecting the work because as as we said it's expensive and it's time consuming. Therefore, how do we prepare people for the training and how do we enhance the training so that's 
that's the that's the training uh, centric. Whereas what we're talking about here is if you understand what it is that that people are trying to achieve and what they're not able to do efficiently or effectively, this is all around designing around them. And you know, I love, I love what uh, what what you say, which is uh, if you um, uh, if you design for the moment of need. And you're giving people what they need, and you know whether it be with performance support, whether it be with uh, with uh, smaller amounts of training. Yep. Then once you come back, you know there may be some training that's actually required, but you're not just giving them training and then and trying to to um, to to de-risk um, forgetting yeah, yeah. the full I, application. I think, I think we have to we have to we have to let go of a few things. The, I, I don't like the word protect at, mm. at all, and, 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 and although I agree with you. You know, we, yeah. we've, we've got to, because here's the thing, and Sebastian will probably tell you this, and, 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 a, and I can go through a number of other courageous learning leaders that have made this change, and they'll all tell you they're not out of business. They yeah. are, they're, they're, there's, because their classes are half the size or a quarter of the size, or in some cases, they're not teaching them at all, it has not put their department at risk. In fact, they may argue that they're more important, more vital to the organization than they ever were before. So let's dispel that myth right away. Right. Decreasing the training footprint does not put an L&D department out of business. No. In fact, I would argue it makes them more um, important to the business hmm. than they were before when, when, they, when the business saw us take their workers out of the workflow to wherever we, we brought them and then come back with their heads filled with stuff that they, we hope they could apply. Mm. Now that we're in the workflow and seen in the in the context of the business, the KPIs that Sebastian described, I guarantee you that line of business owner was like, look, dude, you are a partner to my business right now. You're integral to the success and the performance of my business. And that that puts us in a and by the way, it begets it, it begets demand. Yeah. You'll get more, you know, he's doing 10x more projects. That means he's been given 10x more to do. Than he mm. had before, right? That's that's it's it, it's really a wonderful change in how we're seen, but it does it is not this idea of protecting our domain because there's a job security side to this is just not true. No, no, you're absolutely right. It's it's not true. And the conversations I have with leaders who have who have uh, undertaken this pivot, and by by pivot, I'm, I mean what I talk about here, it's a different type of conversation and understanding of what the need is. That's the pivot because the solution to address that problem becomes uh, a great deal more um, uh, visible than than it would be if it was uh, if if we continued down the route of, uh, of of trying to find the most appropriate content to address stat, you know, a, a common set of needs. Well, two things, um, I but. Two things yeah, that I mean, David, you know, that I've heard forever is I want to see at the table, you know, that classic yeah. thing, right? Um, and that they and that we want to stop being order takers. Mm. Well, then you have to do things differently. That's right. right. Doing the same thing over and over again, maybe through a different technology, like virtual, you know, you know, lipstick on a pig is still a pig, right? And, yeah. and, and it's a classic saying, right? So so if you want to change the way you're seen, you have to change what you do. Right. Yeah. And so we have to shift to what we're talking about here and have different conversations, earn that seat at the table, which Sebastian clearly has in the work that he's mm-hmm. done and many others that we've seen make, make this change. Um, that it, but, but we have to first, I love the word pivot and have the courage to do it and, mm. and then get what comes with it. And um, uh, what I've seen as well is, you know, with, with those changes in conversations and the re-emphasis to, to, to performance and solving real problems, um, Generally, 
that credibility is gained. So you get the uh, the, the seat at the, the table that was always craved, which is in direct opposition to, to the, the other approach that I hear, which is, well, the planets have to align before I can make anything work, which is, and here we go, the long list, change the learning culture, to get buy-in from, uh, from, uh, from the CEO, to get senior leadership on board, to get line managers to reinforce the learning, and for employees to take this generic content and, uh, and return it to the, uh, the workplace without learning and development, actually adapting to what is actually going on and what people are struggling with. So, so it's looking for the planets to align and to get buy-in and engagement in what learning and development are currently doing, rather than meeting the workers where they are and where they're struggling to work. It, it's a, it's a passive approach. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a victim approach. I mean, I, I, I hate to get to these hard words here, but, but for, I've, and I've been in the industry for 38 years, so I feel mm. comfortable defending this or, or talking yeah. about this, but for too long, we've been, oh my gosh, whiners. <laughs> we, yeah. you know, we, we, we go to conferences amongst our own group and we talk mm. about how we, you know, how do we, how does, how do we get the business to listen to us? How do we get that yeah. people? How do we, and, and then we go back and, and guess what? We go back and do the same thing we did before we got. That's right. No, if you, you've got, you, we've seen people earn that respect, earn that, but they did have to change the conversation mm. um, and get involved in the organization in a different way. And, and these waiting for these moons to align, Good luck with that. I mean, I like world peace too, and there's probably a formula to do it, but it, it's only going to happen one thing at a time, right? That's so right. get in the trenches, build something that works, target performance. The exciting thing about that, and Sebastian and others will tell you, is that's where the pivot started. Not that's waiting right. for these Herculean things like culture to change and CEO to align. And are you serious? You know, those, mm. but, but guess what? I guarantee you, Sebastian and others will tell you that those things are changing now. Yeah. Those moons are those those planets are starting to align, but that's mm. that's enabling them to by the work you're doing incrementally, not waiting for them to. And once they do, then I'll change. Those those that's are right. right. Those are two very very different things. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everybody I've had on the podcast who've actually made the pivot says they changed one conversation Literally. and then they, they didn't get it perfect, first of all, nope. but they got way down the line. And then six months later, by just having that different conversation with every stakeholder, everything's changed. But it really is the change of conversation and not the change of culture. And deliverable. Um, now, and deliverable. Yes. And deliverable. Yep. Now, Bob, you've recently published uh, an ebook written with your long-term business partner, Conrad Goffredson. Uh, and this is an accumulation of your thinking, your experiences, and examples of five moments of need. What can readers expect to learn and do as a result of exploring it? You know, it, 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 it was a really cleansing <laughs> activity for Con and I to do. We went back 20 years. Yeah. Um, podcast. Well, you actually weren't podcasts back then. Good God. They're, they're webinars, right? Recorded webinars yeah. and blogs. And we had this wonderful uh, um, associate in organization, Brooke Thomas Record, who helped us archive all that stuff. And, you know, what we realized is that the expectation of the ebook is um, that, it, that it, it's, I think what we're talking about leading into this, David, is that it, it is an evolutionary journey for us to get there. And, and, and it's in, in the book, we guide people through that change uh pivot right mm -hmm. and it's and it's and it's on a lot of different levels it's in our within our own l d team often the most difficult stakeholder to convince candidly to do this um it, it's it's helping the business get there and how do you begin you know what how do you take those first steps of helping those planets align not waiting mm -hmm. for them to 
right? How do we then look at measurement differently? How do we look at um, uh, change leadership and change management, um, governance? You know, these are words that I didn't have in my vocabulary the first 20 years of my work. Um, and so it's an entree to those things um, through some remarkable uh, storytelling. There are links to podcasts in there in the ebook. There are links to some of those resources to help people really understand uh, the change involved. And of course, one other, the technology. You know, how do we, what is, what is the change in that? So it really is a guide to the journey of moving from a uh, training first mindset to performance. Right, now I want to dig into uh, what we actually mean by that, because I, you know, I, I, it's, it's one of the most common conversations I have on this podcast. And, uh, uh, and uh, one, of the, one of the questions I get most is, but what, what do you actually mean? Or how do you actually do that? Now, you, you, the subtitle of your book is A Performance First Approach. Hmm. Um, and, and from what I understand, uh, from the conversations I have, this is a pivot from a learning or an education focused approach. So could you just unpack how is a performance first approach different to a learning focused or an education focused learning and development? Yeah, well, it, 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 it's, it's, it's different by the, the name. You know, it's, mm. it's, we do something first in this, in this, in this um, development cycle called rapid workflow analysis. We have to, we can't, I, I, this was a huge aha for me, David, when I first watched one of these being done because the pivot starts on the workflow the things that people are performing until you make the work. And this is one of my cons favorite sayings until you make the work transparent, until you make the work that's being done, you can't build a performance solution for it. You know, you're guessing at what people need or want to, to perform well. So the first part of it is to have what's called a rapid workflow analysis or, you know, whatever, however you want to call the thing where you sit down with folks and you don't say, okay, what has to go in the course? Hmm. Sit down instead and say, wait, 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 we want to do a new, a new leadership in our organization. What does leadership look like now? What is the journey of a leader in our, in our organization now? How are they performing now? Well, not well. What are their performance gaps? You know, but notice none of these questions have anything to do with lesson one or two or three days yeah. of this, or if it's going to be on my LMS or not. I'm not, I'm way, I'm distanced from that part because I have to first understand if you're going to do performance first mindset, then you talk about performance first and help mm. the organization see the work being done. My favorite part of this exercise, David, every time I do it is inevitable. Sometimes we have, we have managers sit in and watch this, mm. right. That are, that are of the line of business. I cannot tell you how many times they come up sometime to this exercise and say, look, I just have to tell you, I don't know. I don't, I don't, whatever you build it will, will be great. But I have to tell you if even before that, the gift you have given me as a leader is this is the first time I have finally, finally seen what my people do every day. Yeah. Think about that as think about that as, 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 as a gift that L and D can bring to an organization, right? He didn't say deliverable. He didn't say your training course was great or your e-learning is terrific or your LMS works terrific. He said, you as a partner in the business, help me as a leader, see what my people do in the workflow performing every day. And guess what? I can lead better now because of that. Yeah, you can build a performance deliverable for me now that maps to that because you see it. We all collectively agree and see it as well. These are conversations I never had back when I got SMEs in a room. We, we were going to do three days of X and we filled a whiteboard with what they should know or, yep. you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's a very, very different pivot on 
But again, you can't do a performance first deliverable until you first understand the performance being done uh, yeah. every day by those you're trying to impact or influence. With uh, everybody that I that I've spoken with who who has made this pivot, um, without exception, will say during this phase, whether we call it the analysis, whether we call it um, discovery, they they will say that they could never have guessed what came back. That the the people that we were seeking to influence, who said the these are the blockers, this is what I'm expected to do, and these are the blockers to me doing that. That people say, well, of course, I'd never have guessed that. I mean, one of the classic one I've mentioned this on this podcast before, working with a client, and something came up and said, uh, how do you manage someone who doesn't like you? And here you go, my God, I mean, that would never have gone into a training course, right. not in a million years, because. But that is their gritty reality. It is. You know, we would have done Tuckman. We would have done Grow. Of course. Have all sorts of stuff that, that we've seen and experienced on our courses and said, right, this is what we do. But how do you manage someone who doesn't like you? I mean, that's, I mean, that's raw. Right. Well, we, we, had, we, had a, we had an SVP of sales one time uh, observing this activity. And he, about halfway through the first day in the back of the room, said, okay, look, I, I can't sit here silent anymore. This is driving me crazy. Mm. You people do this every day? This is, this is what you're doing. It, we, of course, we brought the top 5% sales reps in, which by the way, we should have, because those are who we want all sales reps to be. So we wanted to understand, mm -hmm. here we go, what they did every day to perform well as, as, as effective sales folks. But as he heard their day, as he heard their challenges, as he heard the resources that they used to be effective, he was like, what? I had no idea. And by the way, why are you doing that thing over there? I don't want you doing that thing over there. Well, guess what? I have to do that thing over there because I got to get my job done every day. Right. So, so it, what I loved about it, David, is it, it has invoked a very different conversation with that leader and those he was charged with. Then let's throw into the course, the new CRM, the sales process. We think they're all following, which they were not and create a course for that. And so what we came out with, it was a really remarkable, raw, I love that word, targeted, deliverable, that accelerated performance based on what was being done, needed to be corrected, needed to get better at in the, in the workflow. Mm. So, Bob, I want to ask you um, where, where these priorities come from, because in learning development, look, I've 15 years of uh, in-house, so so I've had some uh, some skewed um, learning needs come my way, and they usually come from um, uh, a senior leader will decide that something needs doing, and of course, the more senior they are, the more weight they uh, they, sure. they carry. Uh, there's minimal observation, so someone in HR will will have received a couple of emails that were, were poorly written, or uh, or perhaps uh, you know. A, um, uh, an influential leader has received those couple of emails and all of a sudden you're creating email training for everyone in the company from minimal observation. And then the third one is best practice. When someone's read a book or been on a networking event or come from another company and all of a sudden we're rolling out quality conversations because it's, you, know, you can convince people that that's the solution to an undefined problem. But, but, the, but, but with all of those, you generally get a disengaged or an unengaged group of people sure. in attendance because they don't recognize the solution to a problem that they actually hold themselves. Now, what we always say is that if you can understand what it is they're trying to do and what they're not able to do effectively or efficiently, right. engagement's the least of your worries and you are actually dealing with the, with the problems, helping them to solve real problems. But Bob, those aren't what learning and development receive a lot of the time. So how do you uncover real problems 
that require real solutions? Well, you have to unpack those requests, right? Mm. And, I, and I think you spoke to it, David. That's what you, you that, again, it gets back to, if, again, if I may, because I think we have to have a methodology or something to, to do. And that, that's where the, the rapid workflow analysis is comes in for us is that we say, okay, look, mm. let's talk about the, the, the con- what's missing from those requests, David, is context. And that's yeah. why you get a disengaged learner. Um, you know, a lot of people laugh at Clippy being, you know, something that years ago popped up on our screen, you know, and, yeah. and, and a lot of people are like, well, Bob, wasn't that the early stages of performance support? Why didn't they catch on? Because although it was a valiant effort by Microsoft, they inflicted their context on our workflow. Yeah. And we went, well, 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 no, I don't need help writing a letter. Why, 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 I can, I can write a letter just fine. I can't do pivot tables, but I can't yeah. write, but I, so, so, so then of course there was a choice to say, turn this off and never have it come back again. And everyone said, mm. bye. Right. Yeah. So, so where we're going is that, you know, those, those, those one-off emails, those, you know, the, 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 the podium keynote that brings up this great idea about innovative thinking or that type of deal. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not refuting that those aren't great principles, but yeah. when we inflict them on a learner without the context in which they come from, there's where the disengagement comes because it's a hammer looking for a nail, yeah. right? If we start with the nail and then find the hammer, guess what? To your point, the, you, you get intrinsic motivation, not yeah. ent- extrinsic, which is super, super hard. And extrinsic almost never works. Intrinsic is where we want to go, but you, until you, you can't get to intrinsic to you understand the context of what you're trying to support. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more there. That, um, that, uh, the, the, what I found in my work is that um, if you, if you can help people with what they're trying to do when they face unfamiliar situations and challenges, right. then you've got then you've got them. Eyes and minds wide open, but often learning and development aren't there. Okay. Or they overwhelm on day one and they, they, they're absolutely nowhere to be seen uh, when someone's promoted to a manager because we've got this, this um, uh, we've misinterpreted the need for general education and generic content. And we think that that's going to help, but really people enter context rich and a lot of the culturally nuanced situations that uh, that they can't help themselves to uh, and that uh, that is the biggest opportunity that we face to influence well shape the way that people think about the role and then influence how they grow into it well people often ask me david how do you get people to use the workflow design things that you built well i say if if you're asking that question you don't get it because i don't make them use anything they Mm. if i I know the need. If I understand the context, if I build to their workflow, if I build to the things they are struggling with, they want to use it. I don't, I don't, you know, we can make them come to class. You can't make them use an embedded platform or solution. They have to choose to. So if they're not using it, if it's sitting off on the side, then don't figure out another way to to trick them into wanting. It's, It's a design issue. Yeah. Didn't understand the context. Therefore, people didn't engage. Khan says all the time, people use things that are helpful, period. They dismiss things that they see as not, right? So so we have to understand that nuance you described earlier. If we marry that to the thing we put in front of them, they will drink, the horse will drink on, yeah. on its own, right? You lead them to that water and then they it's, obvi- it's apparent to them why they want to consume. If you lead yeah. them to this thing and go, this is busy, this is busy work, this is outside of we've missed the mark and it doesn't work. Hmm. Um, 
Now, Bob, um, as we as we look to, uh, to to wrap this up, if the listener likes what you're describing and wants to make the pivot that you advocate and that Sebastian has um, uh, has done so and achieved, uh, both in terms of uh, efficiency and effect uh, and uh, efficacy on his part, how do you recommend they begin? Well, I'll, I'll be a little self-promotional if I can. A little bit, but, <laughs> Go thank for you it. for setting me up there, David. But, I, but here's <laughs> the thing. And I want to be careful here because when Khan, what I love this guy. I mean, he he it has been his 50-year life work. This isn't mm. this isn't fly by. We get this often time about, you know, did you make this up? Did you? No, this is a PhD who, who who has always based his work on sound instructional research and of the day and 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 that things stand on. And so you know, when, when we saw this need, we went out and said, well, wh- where's the methodology to do this? Where, you know, that's what we do, right? We, it, 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 we, we designed, it, it, we're taught as designers to systemically build what we do repeatedly over and over again in a defendable way. We don't do this haphazardly, right? And so we went out looking for something that would help us, didn't find a whole lot. So that's where the five moments of need uh, methodology and framework came from. You know, it is it is it's a way to do this in in a scalable way, like Sebastian described, that an ID or those folks can map to um, to do this in a defendable way. So we have you know resources that allow people to understand that methodology better and certificate programs and other kinds of things that people can be involved in, you know, website and so on to look at. But I would I would advise folks that they go out and find ours or another. Um, way in which in technologies, by the way, that have emerged late, of late, frankly, you have a wonderful one, David, in your organization mm. that, that enables us to do this, right? We can't go back to PowerPoint and expect to build this, you know, in, in, in a different way. So look for methodology, map to technology that enables it um, and, re, and, and study up and school yourself on the science and the approaches that let you do this. They are out there right now. And, uh, and as we've discussed, Bob, uh, a lot of those are available uh, via, via yourself and, uh, and your company. So uh, if people wish to connect with you to follow your work or to, uh, to, to gain some of the resources and certainly your, your ebook, how best can they do so? Well, there's two places I'd send them. The first would be to www.5momentsofneed, number5momentsofneed.com. That's where all these resources, the ebook and others are found, um, blogs and so on, on this type of stuff, podcasts and things. Um, we have a Performance Matters podcast um, that, that does go into this deeper and very specifically around the five moments. Um, so I would check that out. And of course, my organization, we are a practitioner of that discipline. Um, and so applysynergies.com uh, is where you can find myself and, and, and Khan and other resources if, if, if that level of help is needed. Wonderful. And, uh, and I'll put uh, links to all of those in the show notes. Uh, but Bob, all there for me to say is uh, thank you very much again for being a guest on the Learning and Development Podcast. Always my pleasure, my friend. Always a great dialogue. Appreciate being honored to be here. And, and thank you for your good work, by the way. It's great stuff. It's not necessary to wait until the planets align. It takes a different type of conversation and a focus on what needs to be done and not what needs to be learned. Bob's approaches have quite literally helped a great number of L&D professionals to transform their practice, their leadership and ultimately their results. As we discussed, it's never too late to experiment with these different conversations and achieve a great deal more. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn for which you'll find the links in the show notes. And goodbye for now.